So once again, we want to welcome you. Uh, Happy New Year. We are in a new series. Uh, we started last week called A New Thing. Uh, and as we do that, it's, it, we want to remind one another that God is always doing new things. He's always active. There, he is never static. Static is what dead things do. God's not dead. He's alive. He's moving. He's taking us in a direction. He's a part of our lives. He's shaping us. He's shaking, shaping circumstances. He's wooing us, calling us, directing us in history. He is always doing new things. You work your way through the Bible. Out of nothing, he speaks and creates everything that we know. This, this creation, this universe that we know. The, the, the fact that there's beings with on, within that planet. That's something he did. He established relationship. He called to Abraham, said, I want to do a new thing. I want to introduce myself to the rest of the world through your family line. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to bless you. And then through my relationship with you, other people in the world are going to get to know you. He rescued the people of God out of Egypt after they had fallen into slavery under the direction of a Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And, and, and he said, I've, I've heard your cries. You're no longer going to have to, to suffer under Pharaoh. I'm doing a new thing. I'm taking you to a new land as, as you move from the Old Testament and, and the, just the brokenness of the world as God's people are being dispersed and uh, uh, foreigners are ruling over them and they're, they're crying out, oh God, when are you going to do something? <clears throat> and the prophets predicted he's, he's going to move. There will be a Messiah, an anointed one. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And as you get to the end of the Old Testament, there is this 600-year biblical silence where it seems like maybe God forgot about his people. And then we turn the page into the New Testament. And God does a new thing by showing up on earth as a man who walks this world, loves, teaches, heals, shows us what God looks like. Helps us to understand what his heart looks like, who's crucified, dead, and buried, and now sits at the right hand of God waiting for us, preparing a place for us. Paul tells us in, in the letter of Corinthians that when we give our life to God, you, you, the old is gone and there is a new creation. God and new goes together. Which is ironic because church people hate new things so much. We make rules against those things, right? Just give me that old time religion. Well, even God doesn't like old time religion. Come on. He's always doing new things. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character never changes, but he's always doing new things. Not just in a general God Removed ruler, deity ruling over a, a general, general public, but a God who is a loving father who doesn't just love mankind. He loves each and every one of us personally. He knows your heart. He knows your dreams. He knows your, your weaknesses, your sins. He knows everything 
about us. And, and we're told in Romans that God is taking all of our circumstances, the good and the bad, for those who love him, and he's working them together for our good. God does new things. And we're turning the page on a new year. And, <clears throat> you know, regardless of if you're a, a resolution person or not, there is this thing within the heart of men that, and, and women that we, we love, we love the beginning of stuff. You know, hope springs eternal at the beginning of stuff. Right now, uh, you, you have pretty good attendance right now for, you're, you're, you're showing good, uh, uh, worship attendance right now. It's saying it's, it's stellar right now. Some of you are a hundred percent right now. The rest of you are 50% and that's better than you've been for a long time. So, <laughs> right. But, but the, the, with the, with the unknown days, there's this hope that, that comes a part of that. This spring baseball players will gather for spring practice and all of them will come to practice with the idea this could be the year for us to, to win the World Series. This summer, football teams will start to, to gather and the Dallas Cowboys will once again think they have a chance at the Super Bowl <laughs> until the first game when Dak gets injured and then they'll have to start over again. But it's it, this thing within us that wants to, to do something new, to, to change what was and to enter in strongly, right? And I don't know about you, but, but resolutions, a lot of those are our own thoughts and ideas. And as we do that, and that's why we, we fall off of them so quick because, you know, we, we set these unattainable goals for ourselves. Like after eating like pigs for 30 years, we're going to, I'm only going to eat lettuce for the rest of the year. And then by day two, you're off of that diet, right? We just, we look for answers to bring us a better life, but we, as long as we're just doing it in our own way, we're not gonna, we're not gonna find a new life for ourselves. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about uh, Psalm 40 today. Psalm 40 is written by David, uh, a man after God's own heart. That's what, how God described him. Uh, and, and David in the Psalms, I love D- Davidic Psalms because David has this rawness in how he prays, right? And so many of us that grew up in church, we, we put on our church personas uh, when we pray. I think that's part of why uh, folks always ask the pastor to pray, to pray in public because you gotta, you, you gotta go deep and then you gotta use five syllable words and everything else, right? But that's, that's really not, the way David demonstrates prayer for us. It's an honest, God, I need you. God, I'm messed up. God, I'm lost. God, I'm overwhelmed. God, I'm angry. There's just, just this honesty to it. And, and we can learn a lot from David's prayers. And it, not because David was a perfect person. David was not even close to a perfect person. He did so many things to mess up his life, his family's life, the, the, the kingdom he ruled over his life. He made mistake after mistake. But there was something about David that even, even with his brokenness, he had this, this lodged in assurance that God was who he said he was and that he could be trusted. And I think the more we can learn that, the more we can begin to move closer 
to him. So let's look at uh, Psalm 40. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. So David, as he, as he begins this, this song, this, uh, this, this prayer, this communication with God, he instruct, he gives us a, a great insight just right off the bat in the first line. I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. And, and I mean, we've all heard before that, that we need to wait on the Lord and wait on the Lord. And so that's not a new idea. But in practice, most of us leave out the third word. I waited patiently for the Lord. There's a difference between waiting on the Lord and waiting patiently on the Lord. Right? Waiting on the Lord a lot of times looks like, what are you doing, God? I told you what I needed. You haven't answered. I'm going to be nice and ask you again. And just to be clear, let me remind you of the parameters of how I need that to happen. And I'm going to need you to get back with me by 5 o'clock into business tomorrow. Right? It's sort of like when you go to the doctor's office and they tell you you have an 8.30 appointment and at 11 you're going, really? Right? Or you're, you're, you're waiting on your kid to call when they went back to college to make sure they're all right and they forget every time and it seems like it's stretching into hours. There's a difference between waiting patiently and waiting. And too many of us as Christians, we wait, but we certainly don't do it patiently. Right? Waiter, waiter, right? But David gives us an insight. I waited patient. You know the difference between just waiting and with an agenda and waiting patiently is what David did is what we sang for the second hymn. Waiting patiently is a surrender. Waiting and getting frustrated is a command. And too many times, we go at God in commanding Him what He should be doing when what He's asking us to do is submit to the fact that He's got us. That looks different, right? If I'm waiting patiently, my prayer life changes. It moves from 
God, I need you to do this and I need that. And I, why aren't, why isn't that happening? And if you would do this, then that can happen. And that way we could do that. And we could, and, and trying to direct and be an air traffic controller. That's the way most of us pray. But the prayer of submission is this recognition that God is for me, not against me, that he is at work in my life, whether I realize it or not, that there's not a moment or a second where he's apart from me or loses sight of me, that he he is, he is guiding me, leading me, wooing me uh, toward his preferred destiny for me. And so a, a patient waiting is more like, I know you love me. I might not see it, but I'm going to try to be patient knowing the answers coming. Right off the bat, as we begin a new year, You don't know what's coming. None of us know what's coming. We have ideas of what we'd like to see happen. We have ideas of where we'd like to go, how we'd like to do it. But ultimately, we don't know. Nobody started the year in 2020 saying, I'm going to spend nine months at home this year. But when we wait patiently on the Lord, when it's a it's a posture thing, right? It's not. God, go get them. I'm yours. Submit yourself. I waited patiently for the Lord. And then in, in the same sentence, he gives us a biblical truth that will help you to wait patiently. And he says, and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He turned to me and he heard my cry. God is always listening. God is always present. God is always aware. God is your friend. He is on your side. He is not against you. He is for you. There is not a prayer you have ever uttered. There's not a thought you've ever had that He has not heard and responded. God's answer is coming. God is always on time. He always follows through. It just might not be to your timetable. Again, look at those stories in the scriptures. The, the, the Israelites with the Egyptians for years and years crying out against their tormentors. Where are you, God? And then after years of what seemed like, like an eternity of him not answering, he shows up in a burning bush with an older man in the desert who was on the run for uh, trying to escape being uh, uh, brought to justice for a murder and says, I've heard the cries of your people. And I'm here to do something new. At the end of at the end of the Old Testament period, as we're looking forward and people are saying, Oh God, where are you? When is justice going to reign again? When are you going to make us a prosperous people again? And God says, I've heard your cries. I'm sending you a Messiah. He's coming. He always hears our prayers. Everyone. I know there's times where you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling or your your line's been disconnected, but don't go by emotion. Go by truth. And the truth is, God always shows up. He always keeps His Word. He's faithful. He's just. He's ever-present. He's holy. He's loving. He's kind. He's going to show up sometime. This is how David could wait patiently. 
because he had this underlying knowledge, this underlying faith that maybe I haven't heard his voice yet, but it's coming. It's coming. And I don't know who that's for in this room, but I know at least somebody in this room needs to hear that. Your prayers are not falling on deaf ears. He's heard your cries. And answer's coming. Be patient. Then he says, He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. The mud and the mire. I love the description, descriptive language of that. I don't know if you've ever been down the coast and waded wade fish and you step into a mud hole and it'll just wrap itself around your your shoes and suck them off of you right and you get stuck in that i grew up in colorado and uh in the springtime after the snow melt and stuff in a in a field it, it, the mud would just be thick it, it, when when i was in whoa when i was in high school uh that was god trying to get your attention but <laughs> When, when I was in high school, I got this 66 Ford Bronco and, uh, it was bad shape. Got it. We painted it and everything. Four wheel drive, took the top off of it and stuff. And on, on an April day, just beautiful April day, it was one of those bluebird, just sunshiny days, just gorgeous. And, uh, me and my friend, I was like, dude, let's, let's go up to my cat, my family's cabin. We'll go do some four wheeling. And so, yeah, let's go. And, you know, it, the 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 brain is not fully developed at the age of 16 and 17 and so it, it's a beautiful day and we we go we got shorts we got t-shirts on we load in the thing we drive hour and a half up to the cabin we get up there there's this field alongside there and we're going to do some mudding and stuff and so we take off across this field and just <laughs> But I got four wheel drive, so. <laughs> and the more I tried to get out of it. And I grew up in Colorado. I should have known this. In Colorado, the weather can change just like that. And it can go from beautiful to stormy just like that. And that's what was happening. It was clouding. It's starting to rain. It's even starting to sleet. A lot of times, April can still be a, a snow month in Colorado. So we are freezing. We're in the middle of this mud pit. We work our way out. Then we sink down in the mud and we're trying to make our way. We're two miles away from anything or where anyone can help us. So we, we start walking. We get to this little general store, restaurant, gas station, uh, Hicksville store uh, there. And it was just like the movies. We barge in. It's like everyone stops and looks. <laughs> the jukebox. Right? And can anybody help us get our car out of the mud? And they're like, never seen anybody quite as stupid as you two. But they couldn't. I called my dad. My dad had to call two of his friends, three four-wheel drives. Two hours later, they finally were able to pull us out of the mud. And I think so many times, a lot of us feel like that in our life. Right? We just, it, it's like we just keep getting sucked into the same pit over and over again. And, and when you get there, you can't get out. Whether it's grief or depression 
or frustration with politics or, or financial problems. It just seems like you're having the same problems again and again, no matter what happens. I just keep ending up in the same place. I was talking with a young married couple the other day and they were saying, it's, you know, it seems like we just, we, we fight about different things, but when you analyze it, it's always the same fight. And I said, well, don't worry. I've been married 35 years. We still have that same fight. Right? You end up in a pit. You just, you end up sucked in. And, and like I said, it, it, mud doesn't just sink. It holds. And it grabs you. And there's some of you coming out of 2022. I, I see this on Facebook and Instagram. People with their, their sort of summary of last year and their hope for this year. And, and basically it goes like this. Last year was horrible, but this year is going to be good. Let me help you. Every year is horrible. We live in brokenness. But this year can be good if we change our perspective. If you're going to go through this year in mud, it's not going to be any better than last year in mud. But we can begin to feel defeated in the mud. But David said, the Lord came and he lifted me out of the mud and the mire and he put my feet on solid ground. Mud sinks, mud sucks, mud mud grabs you, holds you. But on solid ground, you get your footing, you can move. You have life again. That's a great figurative language, but the, here's the truth out of that. If you're going to go through life thinking the next thing you do, the next car you buy, the next trip you take, the next kid you have, the next promotion you get, the next move you make, if you think that's what's going to change your world, you're going to keep falling in the mud. But if you understand that Jesus Christ is the rock and He's the foundation and stand on Him, that'll change everything. It says He took me out of the mud and the mire and he put my feet on solid ground and He steadied me as I walked along. God is a personal God to us. He doesn't just direct us from on high, get over it, move on. He comes down with us. That's what we just celebrated. Emmanuel, God is with us. He comes, He died for us. He paved a way for us. He gives a basis for us to put our life on, a foundation for us to put a life on. And then He walks with us every moment of every day, holding our hand and steadying us. I am always with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you to the end of the age. Put your faith in the rock. That's that's where we're going to be able to move from. You don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to, to keep getting sucked into the same place. You can get out of the pit and onto dry ground and onto solid ground and you can begin to grow and flourish and have fruitfulness and joy and hope in your life. Not because you're good or because of some book you read or anything, but because God is powerful and good and He will change your life says, He's given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to God. 
Many will see what he's done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. He's given me a new song. The song Sarah sang is uh, my life song, and, and now my life song sings. We have life songs. We, there's melodies that go along with us. And, and when I was a little kid, and if I was whiny and stuff, and, and my dad uh, would, would go, Oh, poor David. Everybody hates me. Nobody loves me. I'm just going to eat worms. And then I did that to my kids too. And now they're in counseling too. But <laughs> but how many of us is that's the song we sing? Right? It's a defeatist song. Oh, woe is me. Life is so hard. Oh, wow. I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know what's going to happen with this country. I don't know what's going to happen with... I don't know. I don't know. But when you're walking on solid ground, God changes the song of your heart. Because joy is a part of the Christian life. I think we need to remind Christians of that every once in a while. Joy and Christianity go hand in hand, right? Joy, he'll change the melody of your heart. In Romans 12, it it says it this way, that the Holy Spirit will renew the way you think and transform your mind and your spirit. He changes the audio track of your life. And you move from feeling sorry for yourself and you move from evaluating everything from a subsurface mud and mire level to being up above knowing that somebody's holding you even in the midst of horrible circumstances, knowing that ultimately God has, that that evil and circumstances will have no victory over you, that you belong to God and it gives you a new heart song to sing filled with joy. This last Friday, uh, Lori and I went and I did the funeral for a, a, a close friend died of uh, Alzheimer's. And, and it was, you know, it's a sad service, but and there's tears and everything uh, for that. But at the heart of it, it, because this woman had such a joy to her and, and, and just laughter was always a part of any time you were with her and, and the legacy she left and the imprint she left in people's lives. There was this joy that emanated out of those gathered to celebrate her life. The the tears were more just the connection, heart rejoicing type of tears. Because God had won. Alzheimer's, this horrible disease, hadn't been able to kill her spirit or her hope. And it was going to live on through her family and her friends and the stories they tell and the things that they do and the God that they worship because he gives us a new song. And I want to encourage you to sing a new song this year. Change from everybody hates me, nobody loves me, I'm just going to eat worms. God is good. He's on my side. He'll never leave me. I'm never going to be alone. And yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, thou art with me, thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me, thou anointest my head with oil. I mean, you go, you can go 
all through Scripture. It's the lyrics to a new song to sing over your life. And once you start to do that, you start to see the world differently. And that's what, that's what uh, David takes us to. Verse, uh, he says, many will see what he's done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. You want to know the best way to do evangelism? It's not beating people over the head with what, what they're doing wrong or, or hitting them over the head with Scripture. It's living a life that mirrors the, the joy and the love of God. And he says, when, when people see that song being played over you and you rejoicing in that song, then they are going to want to trust in the Lord as well. Then he says, verse 4, Oh, the joys of those who put their trust in the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or those who worship idols. In other words, they're not putting their confidence in best health practices and new diets and, and politics and all the other kind of stuff. They're putting their trust in the Lord. And faith, trust, confidence, all of those are weight-bearing terms. The mud won't hold your weight. The mud will use your weight against you. But solid ground, rock, foundation will take your weight. And you can put your trust, you can put your weight, you can put yourself in the hands of God. And oh, the joys of those who put their trust in the Lord. Oh Lord, you have you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I try to recite your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. My prayer for you this coming year is that song becomes your life song. That instead of rehearsing everything that's wrong, you begin to name the ways that you've been blessed. And every day is new and every, every morning a new opportunity that you pray from waking up telling God what He needs to do from the day to waking up saying this day belongs to you, God. Give me eyes to see people the way you see them. Give me ears to hear your voice in the midst of my conversation. Give me, a, give me the ability to see your face in others. And may your joy come out in my life. We're going we're gonna to celebrate Holy Communion this morning. And as we do that, I just want to remind you, there, there's, there's a lot of aspects to Holy Communion. A lot of times we, we just sort of focus in on the memorial part of it the somber part of it and 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 we need to that needs to be we need to be mindful of that every time that we are sell we are remembering here that God loved us so much that he was willing to suffer and die for us that he allowed himself to be broken so that we could be whole that he he bled to pay for our sins that is sombering and humbling and that we are not worthy as we come to the table but it doesn't stop there there's also an element of joy in Holy Communion. That this is a foretaste of what He has. That we're going to gather as a church family and we're going to come to the, the table and we're going to, to dine on His grace and His love and His, His holiness this morning. But we are looking forward to a day when we are seated together around a banquet table of all God's people. When everything has been made right. And we get to look into his face 
and sing our heart song over him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Again, if you've not been here before, you are welcome at this table. Anyone and everyone is welcome. That night before he gave himself for us, he was with his friends. In the, in the midst of the dinner, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, passed around the table and said, take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, I want you to remember me. And he took the cup, gave thanks, passed around the table and said, drink from this, all of you. This is the new covenant and my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink of it, I want you to remember me. And so it's in remembrance of these as mighty acts through Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Would you pray with me? Would you bow and pray with me? Come, Holy Spirit, fall on us, fill us, transform us, renew us, write a new melody in us. Oh God, we, we, we pray that in this ceremony, as we celebrate this sacrament, that you would take this bread and make it be for us the body of Christ, that you would take this juice and make it be for us the the blood of Christ. And that God, as we ingest that and digest it, it becomes a part of us so that as we go into the world, we can be your hands and feet and your face to the world around us. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. And we look forward to the day, O God, when we get to be seated at your holy banquet table to celebrate all that you have done and how great and magnificent you are. And in the meantime, Lord, give us faith and patience. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.